Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. The Psalms are actually quoted over a hundred times in the New Testament. Um, And Jesus himself quoted the Psalms more than any other book that was quoted. So there must be something in this. There must be something in the Psalms that aren't just in a dusty old book from years and years ago that are just kind of nice to read because of the poems and the songs and things like that. There must be something in these Psalms. And they are God's words to us. And I think for me, having listened to um, all of the preachers on on the podcast and having been here on a Sunday and listened to the preachers on the Psalms, and in preparing this sermon, I think the biggest thing that I took um, from the Psalms is learning how we communicate with God. And how, we, how do we communicate God when we're angry? How do we come communicate with God when we're sad, happy, annoyed, frustrated, overjoyed, hope-filled, hopeless? Um, and now, none of these are new emotions. They were the same emotions that all of the writers of the Psalms um, had when they were writing. Um, And yes, they might not have had the internet, iPhones, or even AI now, but they were still just human beings, just like us. And they had so many of the same experiences and felt some of the same emotions. Now, when we are reading the Psalms, I feel like we can really truly connect with the writers when we're reading it. They can help us understand our emotions. Um, It can be almost like they're reading to us, specifically, I think, when we're reading. Um, and I'm going to mention emotions a lot this morning, so, I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen me show any emotion, but I promise there is some in there. Don't tell Jess, but I do feel them sometimes. Um, but we can use these psalms as our prayers or worship, and I think we can really, truly emotionally connect with them. We can use them as words to say and how and express how we feel. So this morning, I think just while I'm reading this psalm, I kind of want you to try and put everything else aside and just try and connect emotionally with kind of how the writer must be feeling as we go through. Um, So I'm just going to dive straight in. So we're in Psalm 73. It's a long one, Um, so buckle up. Um, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings me punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. 
Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord. You will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittened, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yeah, I am always with you and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you take me into glory. Whom I have in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Now, I did warn you that that is a bit of a long one. I'm just going to quickly pray, um, and then we're just going to go straight back into it. Yeah, Lord, um, we know that these psalms are relevant um, to us today, and I just want to pray for each of us here this morning that actually you'll just have a word um, for each of us, and you'll open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us, despite what I'm going to say, actually, it's all about you this morning, Lord, and I just want to pray that your message um, to each and every person here will just shine um, through this morning. So were you connecting and listening to the first half of that psalm? We had, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. And get this one, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. I mean, maybe you wouldn't quite word it like this, but have you ever felt like that? Do we find ourselves resenting the lives that God's given us? Other people, we're jealous of what they have. You know, some of us have personalised number plates, not all of us can have that. But can we truly connect with the writer of this song? I guess when I was trying to think about a time recently when I was probably feeling a little bit resentful, um, me and Jess had actually gone, uh, decided to go out on a date night. Now, we don't do that uh, particularly often. Boo, I know. Um, but we went out. So a few months ago, uh, a new restaurant opened in the city centre. And it was run by a guy that used to run um, a restaurant in the Heaton Mall. We absolutely loved it. It was amazing, but it had to close down. Um, so me and Jess decided, you know what, we're going to do it. We're going to commit. We're going to go have a date night. We're going to have a night to ourselves. We went to stay. So we wanted to go to this restaurant. It's actually in a hotel. So we're like, do you know what? We're going to go all in. We're going to go all out. We're going to stay at this hotel as well. We had a special deal on. We're going to go. We're going to eat at this restaurant we absolutely love. And we're going to stay at this hotel. And we are going to have a proper, proper evening of it. And you're thinking, how could he possibly feel resentful of this? Just wait. But unfortunately, when the time comes round, I am properly full of cold. It did turn out to be COVID, but we'll move on. Uh, I am properly full of cold. The full works, snot pouring out of every hole available, um, a sore throat, a banging head. I felt absolutely horrific. Honestly, I felt like being hit by a metaphorical bus. And on top of this, I couldn't taste anything. So honestly, I was sitting in this room, I was having a moment in this, at the point of this meal, Jess had nipped to a loo, she does that a lot, 
um, but she'd nipped to the loo. And I, honestly, I was sat in this hotel room, looking around, looking around this room, thinking, why me? Why me? There's, there's a couple over there, they're having a fantastic time. I bet they can taste that food. Oh, look at that girl and her mum sat at the bar having some drinks. I bet she hasn't got a banging head either. I was just sat there like, honestly, God, why me? I, I do try to be a good person. I've done, I, I go to church on a Sunday. I try and serve at church. Why me? Why me right now? I've, I've just tried to have a nice time. I was feeling super, super resentful of everyone else in that room. And I was sat there thinking, bet they don't go to church. Bet they're not that nice. I bet they don't serve on a Sunday. I was feeling mega resentful of these people. And here I was feeling super resentful when I should have been having a magical evening with my wife. And as I was sat there, I was just thinking, like, why does it look like everyone else around me is going their way? Why is this happening to me? Now, it's just a, it's just a small example. Um, and there are other times where it can feel like this, whether it be it could be at work, we're not getting promoted where someone else is. Maybe we might lose our job, or maybe it's ill health um, to a close friend or a family member, or just a breakdown of a relationship, and we can sit there and think, why me? Why me? Why are all of these people around me looking happier when I'm, I'm trying to be a good person? Why, why are these things happening to me? And that's exactly how our psalmist here is feeling this morning. It's nothing new to us. These aren't new feelings like I was saying at the start. These are feelings that people have been having for thousands of years. We are wrestling here, I guess, with the question of, if there is a God up there, why am I suffering when I'm trying to obey him? And there's all these people around me. I have no concern for God, but it all seems to be going their way. Why am I not as rich as Elon Musk or as Jeff Bezos when I'm trying my best for God? Now, unfortunately, I can't answer that question for you this morning. I can't tell you why you're not as rich as uh, Elon Musk. But what I can share is that actually what this does, uh, what this psalm does show, like so many of the other psalms, is that we can bring this emotion to God. We know that he cares. We know that he's listening. And we can bring these emotions to God, just like our psalmist has this morning. And maybe even we don't always have the words to say, but actually that's where the psalms can be really helpful as well. We can almost just read the psalms as our own crying out to God. Now that might seem really obvious, right? We've got all these problems, I'll just, just turn to God. Just, oh yes, just talk to God about it. But how often actually, when we're feeling resentful of others or our lives, do we actually turn straight to God? I know I certainly don't turn straight away. I know when I was sitting at a restaurant, that wasn't my first thought in my head. I was oh, two seconds, just let me get out my psalms so I can read them while I'm sat in this restaurant. How often when we're feeling resentful of others or resentful of our lives do we actually turn straight to him? Often when I'm feeling like this or when I'm feeling like how the writer does here and I'm feeling resentful of this why me, why is this happening to me? Um, and I'm, I guess I'm angry, I'm resentful. I, I really, honestly, I really don't kind of feel like coming to God often in that, in that, when I'm feeling like that. I almost feel like I have to go away and sort myself out and then come to God. But what the Psalms have been shown us and what the Psalms, so many of the Psalms show us is that we can bring these emotions to God. He wants to, he already knows how we're feeling, but he wants us to come to him and confess them and express them to him. 
But what does this random guy in the Psalms, I guess, whinging to God, have to do with anything to do with us other than the fact that we can just go complain to God? What does that have to do with my relationship with Jesus? Has Jesus ever felt like this? Well, I don't know if you guys... Well, actually, so if you're from a Christian background, um, actually, if you were younger and you went to kids' summer camps and things like that, so often people will be selling these little wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? So it's WWJD. They are still available on Amazon if anyone wants one. Um, What would Jesus do? I mean, did Jesus even feel like this before? Did he feel resentful or overwhelmed by his personal situation? Did he ever feel like that? Did he ever feel like the, the psalmist here? So how could, how could when we're kind of trying to communicate this to God, how could he ever understand that? Jesus, surely Jesus never felt like that, right? Well, if we take a quick detour from our psalm and head into Matthew 26. So here's actually where we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is actually right before he was arrested and Jesus knows he will shortly die uh, a horrible, horrible death of crucifixion. Talk about a life to be resentful of. He lived the absolute perfect life. He did nothing wrong. He did absolutely everything right. Yet he had to die, not for anything that he did, but everything that we have ever done and will ever do wrong. Surely that's something to be resentful of. So what did Jesus do? So we find it in Matthew 26 and verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then went away a second time and prayed again. My father, if it, is, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed, saying the same thing. So again, here we find Jesus almost in, his, in a situation where he's, I guess, resentful of the task that's been put before him. So what did he do about it? Well, Jesus, I think there's five things in this um, passage here that are going to actually come back in our psalm as well, don't worry, um, that Jesus did here that we can learn from and take from. So the first is actually that we read in verse 37. And he chose some close friends to be with him in this moment. He didn't withdraw himself and, and kind of pull himself away from anything. He took his closest and most precious trusted friends and he pulled them aside to be with him in this moment. Not only did he, he pull them aside and just talk to them, he really, truly opened his soul to them. In verse 38, he says, 
My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. I guess, I don't know about you, but I can imagine if I was in that situation, I'd just spent all that time with Jesus and seen all the amazing miracles that he's done and he's lived a perfect life. Surely you kind of jaw would drop. Jesus here is almost like confessing his weaknesses. He's opened his soul to them. The third thing is that he actually asked for help. He asks for help in this kind of spiritual warfare that's going on. He asks them to pray. He asks them to pray for him when he's at his time of weakness. And not only that, but the fourth thing is that he poured out his heart to the Father in prayer. He prays this, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. It is just fine, as we've seen the service, to pray with how you're feeling and whatever, whatever situation you're in to be taken away. It doesn't mean that it will be, but it is fine to come and bring that emotion to God. Jesus confessed how he was feeling and opened up his father, opened up his soul to his father. And whatever it is thrown, whatever it is that is thrown at you, it is fine just to say, take it away, Father. You are stronger than all of this. But finally, that's he didn't just leave it there. He rested his soul in the sovereign wisdom of God. In the second half of the verse, he prays this, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. His focus was on God and not on the situation that he was in. Now, I know it was a long psalm, but can we see some similar steps being undertaken by the writer of Rath's psalm this morning? Now, I don't know if I'm reading the psalm, whether he had some buddies, some close friends around him when he was writing this or when he was pouring out his heart to God. I hope he did. I hope this guy had some close friends because um, he was feeling pretty resentful at the first half of the psalm. So we hope he had some friends around him. But I can certainly see him pouring out his heart to God. So far, I guess we've focused predominantly on the first half of the psalm where our writer has just been sharing how he's feeling and sharing his resentment as he pours out his soul. But we can see a change as we go through this psalm with the writer having opened up his heart to God and confessing how he was feeling. And fully, he kind of has this moment of recognition where he fully recognises the level of his resentment and what this was doing to his heart before God. In verse 21 and 22 of the psalm, we read this. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He's recognised how this resentment is kind of weighing on his heart and how it's causing him to act before God. And as we carry on reading through the psalm, we continue to shift the focus from the writer and from his situation and on himself and the world around him and more on God's will for his life, just as Jesus did. He says this in 23. Yet I, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom, ha, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He recognises that he wasn't left alone in this world to deal with it all by himself. He recognises that God holds us with his right hand and guides us. He isn't just there as a presence, but when we lean into him, he'll guide us through. 
I particularly love verse um, 26 that was just right at the end there. My heart, my flesh and my heart may fail, but the strength, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. How often when we're feeling those, those kind of overwhelming um, sense of resentment and that emotional burden of that, how often is it it's when we are physically tired and we're mentally and spiritually tired that those things start to overwhelm us. But here the writer has recognised that actually when we are in that state, when, we, when our flesh and our hearts are failing, God's strength, we can lean into God's strength forever. Now just for a quick minute, just, for, um, just so I come to a to close, um, let's just focus on the word counsel. You guide me with your counsel. Now, does that mean God is going to let us in and tell us all that we would ever want to know? Exactly why this person has that or why this situation has happened to you? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's for us to know everything. Not by far. But if we just dive back into our psalm, um, it says this. So from verse 16, it says, When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. They understood, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery grounds, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. And into verse 27. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. Now, just as I guess Tom was sharing last week as well, he might say, that's a bit dark for an August Sunday morning. Um, But it is true. We are all going to be judged by God. And I think, um, as the psalmist has been writing this, and I think what this speaks to is that eternal perspective. And I think, in some ways, in verses 16 and 17, they, they sum it up perfectly. When we try and understand it all, when we try and understand why has this happened to this person? Why has that happened to that person? Why has there been a relationship breakdown? Why is this happening at work? Why has a close family member or friends been uh, overcome by ill health? Why is that person so happy and so successful, yet they, they're not even bothered about God? It, ju- it troubles us. And just like our psalmist, we find ourselves resentful. But when we enter the sanctuary of God, when we share our emotions, when we're feeling, confess how we're feeling and draw in close to him, we can receive that eternal perspective. Our focus is shifted from kind of what's going on around us and our own personal worldly situation. But we can look to God and on some of the promises of God. And I've just got a few of those promises um, to read out this morning. So in Isaiah 43, 2, it says this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says this. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Another psalm, Psalm 23 Even though I walk through the the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Matthew 6 says this. 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And as I said before, he doesn't try and guide us as someone who's never walked this path himself. He doesn't try and guide us as someone who's never felt some of these emotions. Just look at Lord, the Lord Jesus as we read in Gethsemane. Pressed and kind of trying to wrestle and understand with what he was facing. And this was to the point of sweating blood and praying for an exit to God. As we said, no one was faced with more of a reason to feel resentful with the life that they were given. No one had more reason to grow bitter and forsake God's counsel for him. Yet no one showed more brilliantly that following God's counsel was for an eternal perspective. Without God, Jesus following God's counsel, we would no longer, we wouldn't, he wouldn't have gone and died for us so we could have a relationship with him. So just as I close, I think what can we do? So rather than what could, would Jesus do? That was more difficult than I thought it was going to be to say. Uh, what can we do? And just like Jesus and our psalmist this morning, when we're feeling like this, there's five steps that we can take. One, choose some close friends um, to be with us. Open up our souls to them. And this isn't always easy. Um, I'm not a massively uh, external processor of these things. I'm more of an internal processor. But actually so often I find when I get friends together and have a real chat with them, it does often help, and it often helps us recognise how we're feeling. He asks them for help. He asks them to pray for him. So often when we're feeling like this, actually we don't want to be around people, we don't want to draw in people, but actually getting our close friends in, opening our souls to them and asking them to pray for us can be such a powerful thing to do. And number four, pour out our hearts to the Father in prayer. Share our emotions with God. Share how we're feeling. Don't shy away because we need to go and sort ourselves out before we can come to God. Come to him and pour out our hearts with how we're feeling. And five, shift our focus onto the eternal promises of God. Shift our focus from our situations around us and what's happening with this person and that person because actually our focus should just be on those eternal promises. How incredible would it be this morning if we could all went, went away and truly believe and say with full, full, full trust this morning, verses 25 and 26, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If nothing else this morning, that's just two verses that we can go away and pray. When we're feeling kind of in this resentful situation, pour out your hearts to God, but actually fully recognise that there's nothing else on earth that we need to desire beside him. When we're failing and when our hearts and physical bodies are failing, God can be our strength and portion forever.